Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I'm your host, Mitchell Crossan. And for this week's episode, we're going to give you some quick thoughts on the Fiesta Bowl matchup between TCU and Michigan, the first of the two college football playoff semifinals. Currently, as the spread lies, it's Michigan minus seven and a half, which I actually like a lot. And I'll kind of go over that a little bit later. ESPN Analytics, their matchup predictor, they give Michigan a 66.6% chance to win, TCU 33.4. I mean, you take all these things with a grain of salt. But this is what ESPN and what their analytics are showing. And what I find interesting is I like looking at ESPN's FPI. You know, they have all these analytics and things that they look at. But I do like their FPI, their football power index. And that really measures a team's true strength. And they do that by giving you these inputs and then it spits out this output, this final number. And that number is the expected point margin versus an average opponent on a neutral field. So, for instance, Georgia leads the nation with the highest FPI at 28.4. That means they are going to beat an average opponent on a neutral field by 28.4 points, according to ESPN, their analytics, and their inputs that make up the FPI. So for this matchup, Michigan is fourth in their FPI ranking at 24.7, and TCU is... Down the list a little bit, they're behind Utah, they're behind Penn State and Clemson, and they are 16.1. So on a neutral field against an average opponent, Michigan is a little over a touchdown better than TCU, according to ESPN's FPI. So that gives us just a little background on what the numbers are saying, what the spreads at, what the FPI shows against average opponents on neutral fields. And I like looking at really defensively for each team so i got the stats put up in front of me here ncaa.com michigan's rushing defense ranked third in the nation pass defense ranked third in the nation overall team defense no surprise third in the nation and we've known that right we've seen what they could do throughout the season granted a lot of people would say well who's the competition that they're playing and everything was kind of to be determined okay let's see how good your defense is when you play ohio state again Because remember, in 2021, they gave up numbers, right? They gave up completions. They gave up everything underneath to the Buckeyes. C.J. Stroud in 2021, in the snow at Michigan, threw for nearly 400 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. But they didn't allow that avalanche of points to get started from the Buckeyes, right? They They didn't give up any big plays. They gave you everything underneath and forced you into, like, these long, developing 8, 9, 10, 12 play drives. Ohio State... They like to think they can do that, and at times I think they can, but they make their money on hitting big plays and utilizing their skill guys and hitting big plays fast, right? That's when if you can hit two big touchdown plays, back-to-back possessions, that's when you start to see that avalanche of points. So for Michigan's defense throughout the year, right, you see them in this build-up to Ohio State, and then they kind of did the same thing as they did the previous year. They give Ohio State everything underneath. Ohio State did have... Some drives where they marched down the field and scored. They did that on the, I think, their first possession. Went down the field and scored. Then they had another possession. They were in the red zone. And it might have even been that first possession. I can't remember off the top of my head. But CJ Stroud was trying to go to Emeka Ibuka. I think it was an out route. But Michigan dropped eight guys in the red zone. And they just wanted to give everything underneath. But they weren't going to let CJ really go over the middle or test them on the outside. 
I do think Ohio State missed some stuff. I do think Ryan Day could have called some things differently, and that's been talked about a thousand times. But the point is, Michigan's defense showed up against Ohio State again, and it's not that they stuffed Ohio State and Ohio State couldn't get anything going on the ground. They were running the ball pretty well with Chip Trainum. They were moving the ball at times. They just wouldn't let Ohio State take the top of the defense. And that's why this Michigan defense is good, right? They, they don't allow you to hit them over the top big play after big play after big play like Michigan did to the Buckeyes. On the flip side, defensively for TCU, there are some concerns when you look at just the total number of where they are ranked defensively. So rush defense for TCU, 66th in the country. And I think that's my biggest concern with TCU defensively because Donovan Edwards has been on a tear. We know that Blake Corm isn't going to play for Michigan, but Donovan Edwards has looked pretty darn good. And I got his numbers here for the last couple of games. We know he went off late in that fourth quarter against Ohio State. He finished against the Buckeyes, 22 carries for 216, two touchdowns. His long was 85 yards. He was averaging 9.8 yards per carry, nearly 10 yards a carry. And I know a lot of that came on those two. Like It was like an 85-yard touchdown run and a 75-yard touchdown run late. But still, I mean, you can't just remove those things, right? Like he helped close the game for Michigan. So you can't say, well, if you took those out, Ohio State did a pretty good job. No, you can't remove stats like that. So that's important. So we know what Donovan Edwards could do. And he has been banged up. I think he's okay now, clearly. Because he also, in the Big Ten Championship game against Purdue, had 25 rushes for a buck 85, a touchdown, a long of 60, averaging 7.4 yards per rush. So that's where Michigan wants to make their money, right? And if you can get Donovan Edwards to rush for over 150 yards, which I think he'll do against TCU, I think Michigan wins that game. And we've seen enough of, de- of a development from J.J. McCarthy. I, I do think there is... Almost not a false sense of reality, but what he did against Ohio State. Ohio State's corners have been bad all year. There have been times when they've been banged up. There have been times when you look at them and go, oh, actually, that was a good play on the ball. But that has been one of the things that Ohio State just cannot get right, at least this year. And they have the new scheme. They have Jim Knowles, damn near $2 million a year for their defensive coordinator. And I'm not expecting the defense to be a top 10 defense his first year in. But you revamp the staff. The corner play was bad last year, outside of Denzel Burke at times. This year, including Denzel Burke, it's been bad. And so you saw J.J. McCarthy in Michigan take advantage of that. And you knew the game plan going in was probably going to be, we're going to test these Ohio State corners because we know that they're not good. They had, I think, a staffer that was just watching Ohio State film throughout the whole season. And they saw like Maryland tear up Ohio State secondary the week before. And they go, God, we can do that. So... Yeah, JJ threw all over them. He had a big game. You look at his numbers, they're impressive. I don't know if that's what JJ is now. He is a sophomore, right? And in the second year within the program, you see these guys start to learn and pick up information and improve almost exponentially. And now that he's been the starting quarterback for consecutive, consecutive games, multiple games, we know Cade McNamara is gone. But I don't think JJ is all of a sudden going to start throwing for four and five, six touchdowns a game, right? You got to give him credit. He made some nice throws against Ohio State, especially uh, especially that first touchdown early on. But then the rest of those touchdowns, his guys were wide open. So it's not a knock on JJ, but it's not like he was out there fitting the ball in these really tight windows for every throw. So I don't think all of it 
was credit for JJ. I think some of it was Ohio State's coverage on some of those blown touchdowns was so bad. I feel like a lot of quarterbacks could have made that throw. But again, credit to Michigan, credit to JJ. I like what I've seen from JJ. I like his career growth. But if you can get Donovan Edwards cooking on the ground, then whatever else you can get from JJ, a couple of nice balls, a couple of nice touchdown passes, it's going to be hard for TC to keep up in this game. The big thing that I'm going to do this postseason is just trust my eyes, right? I'm not going to try to get too cute with it. I'm not going to try to dive into too much stuff, but it's just trust what I've seen those thus far. So for instance, with like with Ohio State and Georgia, and that's going to be the episode next week, so we're really not going to spend much time on that right now. But it's like, okay, so Ohio State has issues. You know, offensively, they've struggled struggled in the red zone lately. They're missing Trayvon Henderson in that game. They're missing Jackson Smith and Jayvon in that game. Defensively, you know, the D-line's been okay. Linebackers have been okay. Safety's been okay. But the corners have been awful. So do I think all of a sudden they're going to get that fixed? Or am I going to trust what I've seen throughout the season thus far? Kind of doing the same thing here. TCU deserves to be in the playoff even after the loss to Kansas State. But they've had moments where they haven't looked good. They've had games like against Kansas State and the first time around, I should say. And look, Kansas State's the Big 12 champ, so clearly they're a pretty good team. But they've just had multiple games, we'll throw in Baylor as well, where they just haven't been dominant. And in the college football playoff, you have to be a team that can dominate. And I don't think TCU is a dominant team. Now, they've won games. They know how to win. I don't know if Michigan wins in a blowout, but I'm definitely going to take Michigan. Michigan has been building for this. They've been ready for this, what JJ can do, what Donovan Edwards can do defensively, their scheme and the way they're able to execute. Again, TCU deserves to be there. And Max Duggan, you know, he's did a lot in that game against Kansas State. He's done a lot for that program this year as their quarterback. I, I just don't think they're going to come in here. And I mean, is it going to be like a touchdown game in the fourth quarter? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that TCU is due for another loss. I mean, if you thought that, then you got it against Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. But even with Michigan, kind of like a gut feeling thing. They're cool, calm, collected. They're ready to be there. They know that they should be there. And I think they feel confident that they're the best team in the country and that they should go out and win the national championship. And you can look at a team like Ohio State, who has all the talent in the world, but at times they see to play down to their competition. Now, Every team, in a sense, does. You could say Michigan has at some point. You could say Georgia has. You know, we've all seen that game against Missouri for Georgia earlier in the year. But with, with like with Ohio State and Michigan, it's a quick comparison. Ohio State throughout the year has had the higher ceiling. But they've also had the lower floor when you're comparing the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. So, you know, the worst for Michigan is going to be the better than the worst for Ohio State. And I think the worst for Michigan is actually pretty good because, again, they make their money, they make their bread and butter on running the football. They have a really, really good offensive line, a great offensive line. They have great weapons in the backfield, even without Blake Corm, although you'd love to have him. And then J.J. McCarthy, five-star quarterback, what he's been able to do with his progression and the way he's maturing as a quarterback, I think it makes it really, really difficult for not only TCU to win the game, but to even make it like a seven-point game you know, halfway through the fourth quarter. I don't think Michigan's going to be blowing them out at halftime, right? It's not going to be like 30 to nothing by the time kickoff starts for the second half. But I do think you see Michigan pull away in the second half, and I'm not sure how close it'll be in the end. Okay, so if I have to put a number on it, and I'll throw one out there, I will go Michigan 35, TCU 21, and Michigan advances 
to the national championship game. That's going to do it for today's episode. So thanks for listening. We're going to do a similar thing for next week, but it'll be for Ohio State and Georgia. And then after that, it's we're bowling, baby. And I know bowl seasons have, or the bowl games have already started right now, but by that time next week, I mean, we're going to be looking at these these playoff games. There's going to be a lot of hype, a lot of build up. Ohio State and Georgia is interesting. We kind of alluded to it earlier. Has Ohio State fixed their problems? Not, I mean, you know they're not going to fix it completely, but have they fixed it enough to even make it truly competitive with Georgia? I mean, Georgia looks pretty good. And if Michigan can exploit these things for Ohio State, then why couldn't Georgia? So we'll get into that next week. You can follow us on social media at Silent Exposure on everything except for Twitter at Silent Expose. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Bucks.